Welcome everyone to I Love Summer. It really is one of our favorite seasons of the year here at Believing. And I'm so honored that you're joining us wherever you may be, however you may be on today. If you're on vacation, but you're tuned into church, shout out to you. If you are with family or friends, you're barbecuing, you say, man, I get that word from this weekend, shout out to you. I'm so glad that you are joining us because today is the second installment of a series that we call I Love Summer. But those of you that are regulars with us know I Love Summer is way more than just a series for us as a church. It really is our anthem in this season that I love summer. Because for us, I love summer is a, uh, it's a loaded expression. If you joined us for part one or you're familiar with what we mean, when we say I love summer, what we mean is that we love the place that God has put us. Our physical location, the, the place that we're recording this from, the place that we operate out of uh, physically day in and day out is located on a street in Memphis called Summer Avenue. And so when we say I love summer, we are saying we literally love the street that we are on. We love the community that God has placed us in. We love the people that are around us, the businesses that are around us. We love where God has us and we want people to know it because Summer Avenue, for those of you that don't know, has had a mixed bag of a perception. Some people have thought of summer not always in the, in the best of ways. Some people have thought of summer not always in the highest of ways. But we want to be people who say, I love summer. I love this street. I love these restaurants. I love these businesses. I love my neighbors. I love the people in my community. I love summer. But it also is indicative of the season that we are in. When we say I love summer, we are also saying this season of the year that we find ourselves in, these summer months, we love them. Now, the thing you know and I know is that the summer hits differently. Doesn't matter whether you got kids, doesn't matter whether you're in school or not, maybe you're in university, that don't matter. It hits different. When the summer season turns on, all of a sudden the rhythm of things feels a little different. There's a different vibe, a different pace, a different, uh, a different just way about things. There are things that we do, festivals start popping off. We start having music outdoors at night, like things change. And because of that, we lean into the full vibe that is this season. And so we take everything that we value, everything that we do, some things we turn up a notch, some things we reshape how we do it just for this season, because I love summer. And so I'd love for you today, if you haven't done it already, to check out every single thing that's happening in the church in this season on our website at believing.church. You'll find the I Love Summer banner there. You can click on that. And when you click on that, what you will find is that you will find everything happening. The fun stuff, serving opportunities, Sunday schedule, everything. You'll find signups for everything we're doing. You'll find details about free t-shirts that were given out all summer long, as long as we have them. That you'll find everything going on in our church right there online at believing.church. Now, with that all being said, I need you to know today that I Love Summer is about embracing the place God has us and serving here well. You know, I would love it if every single person that's a part of our church, every single person that calls believing home, that if this summer you would embrace 
the place that God has you and lean in. That when there are opportunities to meet up with people at restaurants, you lean in. Opportunities to serve, you would find. You wouldn't let this summer pass and not find a place. Take time to serve somebody in some capacity. A grocery drive-through, a serve day, neighborhood cleanup, something going on. You wouldn't let this season pass and not lean into the opportunity that you have to go make a difference. You wouldn't let this season pass and not lean into the opportunity that is celebrating summer. But I Love Summer is also about enjoying the season God has us in and using it well. It's also about enjoying this season. It's about loving this time of year. It's about loving the fact that the rhythm is different, that it feels different, and that's okay. In fact, that's even good. There are people who are really good at just hanging out. You know what I'm saying? Like they never in a hurry. You just want to cool out around the house. Uh, you know, just kind of not being like they are the people that you want. I am not the person that you need to call if you just want to cool out. <laughs> like I am a worker. God built me. He designed me. He created me. He wired me to work. And the grind doesn't bother me. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year upon year, it doesn't bother me. I enjoy working. But what gets connected to that is I'm not always very good at resting. Maybe some of you are like me. Like to rest is a difficult thing. To slow down enough to exhale or maybe even inhale <laughs> the, 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 the rest and the breath and the life that you need to not always be in a hurry, to not always have your task list, to always be checking off the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Because sometimes when I slow down and start resting, I start thinking about, do you know what we could be doing right now if we weren't just sitting here? Do you know what we could get accomplished? Do you know what's on the agenda for next week? We got stuff to do. Let's get out. Listen, I'm a good worker, but I'm not always a good rester. And when I look at the life of Jesus, I see somebody who was a worker. I don't know the picture that comes to your mind when you start to close your eyes and let your imagination begin to see who Jesus is and what Jesus looked like. But when I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what I see is I see a Jesus who worked. I see someone who had stuff to do and was intentionally on the move. I mean, there is no way you literally turn the world upside down in three years if you ain't about that life. You know what I'm saying? Like if you ain't getting with it, if there's not a busyness, if there's not an effort, if there's not a movement to the way that you operate. Jesus was a worker. In fact, the book of John chapter 21, at the very end of it, makes this note about Jesus as John is sort of giving thought back to all that he has written down and said, I've told you a lot of stories about Jesus, but he makes this statement. He said, if somebody tried to write down all the stuff Jesus did, 
He says, I suppose the world could not hold all the books that would be written about what Jesus did. Jesus was a worker. Jesus had places to go, people to see, priorities to execute. Jesus was a worker. He was busy. He was getting after it. But yet, in all of his busyness, you never find in the scriptures the story of Jesus canceling the speaking engagement, do you? You never see Jesus so exhausted that somebody needs him to show up for them. Somebody needs him to pray for them. Somebody needs him to, to do a work. Somebody needs him and he says, you know what, I'm just too tired, send somebody else. You never see that with Jesus. Why is that? How could Jesus be such a worker, so, so constantly on the move, so turning the world upside down in some three years, but yet never miss a moment or a meeting. Some of you are like, well, it's easy, preacher. It's because he was the son of God. Maybe, but maybe not. In the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 16, there's an interesting note that Luke makes about Jesus that are sprinkled throughout the Gospels, but Luke draws almost principle from what Jesus does. It's written this way in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places for prayer. I would contend that it's not his divine nature, but his disciplined priority to withdraw that enabled him to be the person who never missed a meeting, to enable him to be the Jesus that always showed up where he was needed, when he was needed, that never was so exhausted, that never got burnt out, that never had to call a timeout. Because we know that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. We know that Jesus felt things. We know that Jesus got so sad at times, it, it moved him to tears. We know that sometimes Jesus did get tired and he would sit down on a well in the middle of the day. We know that Jesus got angry. He felt and experienced all things like you and I experience. Therefore, it was not his divinity that enabled him to show up, but it was his discipline to withdraw. It was his discipline to rest. Now, when you hear the word rest, you probably think of a lot of different things, don't you? I do. Maybe you think of sleep. Some of you, when you hear rest, you think of sleep. Maybe a tuck yourself in kind of sleep, or maybe even just a good nap. Maybe to you, rest sounds more like a nap than it does a sleep. Sleep is a function. Sleep is something we have to do. But, but rest is when I can lay on the couch in the afternoon with the fan on and just get myself 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, just with my eyes shut, you know, resting. Some of you, rest sounds like a vacation. Rest is, is the vacation that you go on every year or maybe a couple times a year. I don't know how you roll. But rest sounds like a vacation. It sounds like getting out of the city. 
Sounds like getting away from the people and the places that you know, getting away from the priorities that often occupy you and spending time somewhere else. For some people, rest sounds like an activity that you enjoy. Rest sounds like going and shooting hoops for a minute. Rest sounds like going to the golf course. For some of you, rest sounds like shopping. Like it's therapy for you. And if you could just peruse around a store that you enjoy, that is restful to you. For some people, when they hear rest, they, they hear something that sounds weak and lazy and uncommitted and like you should be about that life. Why are you not about that life? But I wonder how many of us, when we hear rest, think that, oh, that's being like Jesus. You know, there were these bracelets people used to wear years ago. Some people have brought them back a time or two and tried to remake them cool, but they had a WWJD. What would Jesus do? And the whole principle behind these bracelets was meant to sort of guard our thinking when it concerns the stuff that we do. Would Jesus snap at that person like I just snapped at that person? Would Jesus be cutting these people off in traffic? Would Jesus be angry in this moment? I wonder how often we might think that, you know what Jesus would do here? Jesus would rest. But yet Luke makes the point that Jesus often withdrew. That it was the regular practice of the Son of God to often pull himself away from the clamor. Pull himself away from the middle of everything going on and go find himself a place where he could be alone with his father. Jesus often withdrew because the work that he was doing and the work that he was about to do was so significant that he often withdrew. You see, Jesus often made it a priority to withdraw so that he could invest. Jesus would withdraw so that he could give his full self, give his full attention, give what was fully needed in the moment ahead of him. But we often make it a priority to invest so that we can withdraw. We make it a priority to invest so that we can escape. We don't withdraw so that we can do the work. For some of us, we do the work and we think that that gives us justification to leave. It gives us reason to run from our responsibilities, to run from the work, and they can figure it out. I'm going to put the note on my email saying, I'll get back to you when I get back to you. And that's because we see rest as a reward. But Jesus saw rest as a requirement. We see rest as this reward for effort, reward for hard work. Jesus saw rest as a requirement. Because Jesus loved where he was, and he loved what he was doing, and he loved the people that God had him ministering to. He was serving, and he saw rest as a requirement to be able to do the things he was supposed to do. So he could give himself fully to what mattered. Whether it was before or after, you will never find Jesus escaping the moment. You will never find Jesus escaping his responsibilities. You will never find Jesus running from the moment that needed him. But you often find him withdrawing before or after so that he could do the work that he needed to do. There are many instances where Jesus withdrew, but very quickly, I want to share with you four 
just to show you the before and after nature of these things, to show you the intentionality of Jesus as he withdrew. You see, Jesus often withdrew, if you're taking notes today, you can write this down, after great victories. Whenever Jesus would have a significant moment, a significant victory, people would be celebrating him. It'd be very easy for Jesus to go on the speaking tour right after that, right? You won the game, now they want you on Good Morning America. You, uh, you just did the thing and everybody's talking about you, so now you gotta take all the interviews. Now you gotta show up because you're famous now. But after great victories, Jesus often withdrew. Matthew 14 tells us when Jesus fed the 5,000. Some of you are familiar with this instance. Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish, blessed it and broke it, and that became enough to feed not 5,000 people, but what history would tell us, somewhere between 15 and 25,000 people. There were 5,000 men present, but the women and children would have numbered greatly beyond that. And Jesus took a sack lunch. Come on, Jesus took a lunchable, and he broke it and he blessed it, and somehow it fed 25,000 people. That's a great victory. I mean, if I'm Jesus, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm feeling me some me. Like, I just felt, oh, y'all, with this lunchable. Did you see that? You want me to do it again? Like, it, this would be a time to go let people celebrate you. Jesus, thank you for lunch. It was so good. I've never had better fish than that. What, what, what did you season it with? It would be very easy for Jesus to accept the pats on the backs and do this. But Jesus, Matthew tells us, after this great victory said, I need to withdraw for a moment. Because Jesus understood where he was going. Jesus understood his purpose. And so he didn't allow great victories to become times that sapped all of his energy. He often withdrew even after a great victory. He also withdrew, write this down, before major decisions. When Jesus had a major decision coming up, he didn't just burn the midnight oil trying to go over his, his pros and cons list one more time. He didn't call another meeting or another meeting to try to figure out if they've thought through this from every angle. When Jesus had major decisions to make, like in Luke chapter 6, when he is deciding who his disciples are going to be, he is literally appointing his apostles who, yes, are going to follow him during his ministry, but they are also going to be the ones that he entrusts with his mission, who are going to start the church and take his message all over the then known world. This is a big decision. And before he gets ready to appoint those, he withdrew. Jesus withdrew after major victories and before big decisions, but he also withdrew after heavy work. Sometimes Jesus was so busy working. In fact, Mark 6 records that he was so busy recording, uh, excuse me, so busy working that he didn't even have time to go eat. He didn't have time to break away from what it was he was doing to eat. And so after this season of busyness, Jesus withdrew because Jesus made it a priority to often withdraw. There's one more I want to point out to you, but Jesus often withdrew before intimidating tasks. Just like us, Jesus had tasks set before him that felt like too much. Specifically in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus is preparing to go to the cross and be crucified. He knows 
what is being asked of him. But it sits heavy on him. And so the night that he would be betrayed, arrested, falsely accused, ultimately crucified, Jesus withdrew. You see, you become somebody who rests on purpose when you're filled with purpose. When you are filled with a purpose bigger than yourself, when you are filled with a purpose that matters in this life and in the life to come, when you are filled with purpose, you will find yourself resting on purpose. I see this with myself. I am a worker and not always the best rester. But when I know that what's to come or what has just happened is in my wheelhouse, it is aligned to the purposes God has for me. It's not just me doing something. I wasn't just busy for busyness sake. I wasn't just, I wasn't just occupied for the the desire to look busy in front of people. I wasn't just overwhelmed and consumed with a bunch of responsibility and priority because somebody dumped it on me, but I know that I'm walking in my purpose. It's a lot easier for me to withdraw. It's a lot easier for me to take time in advance or after when I'm filled with purpose, when I'm filled with purpose that this is what matters, that what I'm working on is significant. In our city, it's significant to God. It is significant to the purposes he has for my life. It's easier for me to pull back or to step in and then pause, to withdraw on purpose. The season that we are in as a church, I really believe is a season of preparation for us. I've been talking to our leadership team about this for the last many, many weeks, and it really is. It's a season of preparation. Preparation practically, but also preparation spiritually for everything that God has for us. And can I tell you, we are getting ready, and we will be ready for what God has for us next. But part of that getting ready is us leaning in to I Love Summer, which really is us making it a priority to withdraw. You see, in all that is I Love Summer, if you go to our website and start scrolling through all the things, yes, there are opportunities to give. There are opportunities to do. There are opportunities to serve. But I need you to see how baked into this, there are also strategic opportunities for us to withdraw. On the first Wednesday night of each month this summer, June, July, and August, we're going to be hosting prayer nights. And these prayer nights will function in some ways similarly to our midweek prayer, but also very differently because we are going to uh, focus and engage on a greater level these prayer nights. We're going to have times of prayer for people to be healed. We're going to have times of prayer where we're praying for our city and we're praying for our state and we're praying for our country. We're going to be praying for uh, in, in August, as kids go back to school, we're going to be praying for our kids and praying for our schools and praying for our educators. There are going to be times of focused prayer. But I know that prayer isn't one of the most attractive things on the list when you start looking at it. You're like, oh, look, it's a movie night. I'll come to that. Prayer night, I'm going to be at the house. But what you don't understand is that maybe you choosing to withdraw yourself from whatever else you may be doing. And spend an hour on a Wednesday night in the presence of God. 
Spend an hour praying to God. Might be the withdrawing that you need to fuel you for the season ahead. See, some of you don't realize that consistent maintenance is far more significant and important than occasional overhaul or occasional abandonment. What I find with most people is they're so concerned with looking busy, they run themselves ragged all the time, and then they just pull the e-brake and they disappear. Some people disappear because they got the money and they go on vacation for two weeks. Some people disappear and they were at one time very, very involved in the life of the church or involved in the community or involved with their friends. And they just pull the e-brake and the next thing you know, you ain't seen them for six months. That's not healthy. That's not good for you. You never see Jesus do this. What you see Jesus do is often withdraw. He may pull back for a night, pull back for an hour or two in order to fuel himself with the rest he needs to go do the thing that God has for them. Friend, I believe these prayer nights could be that for you. I believe that the prayer nights that are going to take place throughout the summer could be those things that fuel you. But we also have this summer these restaurant meetups where on three different weeknights this summer, we are going to take over a restaurant right here on Summer Avenue. And it's, it's literally going to be nothing but people getting together and eating together. That's it. There ain't going to be a worship set. I ain't got a sermon prepared for you in between the appetizer and the main course. No, you're going to come. You're going to order food. You're going to pay for it. You're going to sit at the table, be nice to the waiters and the waitresses. And, and we're just going to eat and have fun together. And some of you say, like, well, I don't know, you know, going out to eat. Listen to me. We have a statement that we make all the time about community, and it's so true. We say you better build community before you need community. Otherwise, you're going to want community and not have community because you didn't find community when you could. And I do not know what the next season of life looks like for you. But what I do know is that God designed you to need community. He built that desire on the inside of you. And some of you don't have it. And the reason you don't have it is your own fault. The reason you don't have it is because you won't ever put yourself in a place where you could find community. You have no idea that maybe showing up at Central Barbecue or Nagasaki or La Guadalapana might do for you. You say, I don't like Mexican food. I don't care. You don't know what's on the other side of your connection. You don't know who you might sit at a table with and find out they've been coming to the church like you and, and now they're your best friend. And now all of a sudden there's somebody you can lean into. And now you've got a new friend in life that you've been praying for and needing for. It might start there, but if you don't withdraw from your busyness, withdraw from your preoccupation of sitting at the house, withdraw from your antisocial proclivities, you may miss out on finding the community that you need, that God has for you. I believe this is what's going to happen with our movie night. This, this Friday, if you're watching this at Church Online, we're turning our auditorium into a movie theater. And we're going to serve popcorn and Cokes. We're going to show uh, a movie on the big screen. It's going to be an incredible opportunity to have fun. Families get to hang out together. Kids get to play together. It's going to be great. It's an opportunity to withdraw. Maybe to withdraw from the busyness of your week. 
maybe to withdraw and spend a few moments together as a family. You don't know what those moments might do for you, for your children, for your family to come together. That's what our leader nights are about too. See, some of you have never taken a step into leadership in the church. You, you don't serve in any capacity because you don't think you have anything to offer. You don't, you don't lead in any way because, because you think that's somebody else's job. Maybe this is for you. But leaders have to withdraw to be fueled. So in June and July, we're going to host leader nights where we're going to teach and we're going to train and we're going to inspire and we're going to prepare those of you who do lead in any capacity, you serve in any capacity in the church. And those of you who want to for what is to come. But you have to prioritize this withdrawing. Otherwise, the moment will come and pass you by because you didn't make it a habit to often withdraw. So this summer, man, build community. This summer, become a leader. This summer, grow spiritually and let the foundation of a desire for God well up on the inside of you. Because if you don't withdraw for what's coming, you You'll want to escape from what's coming. If you don't withdraw for what's coming, you'll want to escape from what's coming. There are so many people, and maybe I'm talking to you today, who you constantly want to hide from opportunity, hide from service, hide from doing. That's because you're an escaper not a withdrawer. There's a massive difference between escaping and withdrawing. And we never see Jesus escape. We often see Jesus withdraw. And I want to show you this difference today as we close. See, escaping is reactionary to responsibility. Escaping is reactionary to responsibility. This is quitting and abandoning and avoiding and running from the space where we're needed or we ought to be. And when you're not rested, this is what's normal. When you're not rested, this is what's natural. You escape, I'm so tired, it's an escape. I've got so much going on, that's an escape clause. I'm so overwhelmed, you know, this might be the thing that just, it becomes too much for me. You're trying to escape. And most of our rest gets caveated this way. The problem is when you escape, there's a, there's a glaze of guilt on top of it. Because you know you shouldn't be resting then. You know you shouldn't be running from responsibility then, but you did. And you are. And you do. You know that you should be leaning in in that moment. You know that you should be there for your friends, there for your team, there for your children. But you ran and hid because you just needed a moment. Escaping is reactionary to responsibility. But that is the way most people go about getting their rest. We've been going so hard, that's why we're just going to disappear for a while. When's the last time you heard somebody tell you they're resting on purpose? They say, you know what? I'm getting ready. That's why I'm taking it slow right now. Because I know what's coming. The reason I'm here praying is because I know what's coming in the season ahead. 
you know, the reason I'm going to take a few nights this week and just spend a little time with God and kind of fill my tank up again is because I know what's coming ahead of me. When's the last time you heard somebody talk like that? That they're preparing for the next season? Hardly ever. Folk, escape. Because most of what we call rest is a reaction to responsibility we weren't ready for. Most of what we call rest is us reacting to the fact that we were not emotionally ready for the week that just happened. That we weren't physically prepared for the season that we just walked through. That we're not financially ready for the season that we're about to go into. That mentally or from an energy perspective, we can't handle everything going on. So we run from it instead of run towards it because we ain't ready. But hear me today, friend. If you're constantly escaping, it's because you're not consistently withdrawing. If you would be honest enough today to recognize that you are someone who constantly escapes and people give you a pass because people are nice in general and they say, it's okay. Why don't you work on your mental health, baby? The problem is you, you, you didn't withdraw in advance. So now you don't have any fuel in the tank for what's right in front of you. You didn't withdraw in advance, and so now you're not ready to get. You're not spiritually ready. You're not practically ready. You're not emotionally ready. You're not relationally ready. And now there's a whole lot hitting you, and you're not ready for it. You never see Jesus do this, and it wasn't because he was the Son of God. It's because he made it a priority. He made it a discipline to often withdraw. He got ready, so he stayed ready. Whether it was after a big success, he said, this ain't the time to burn all our gas. Let's withdraw. I got a big decision to make. Someone withdraw. I got a lot on my plate in the season to come, so I'm going to withdraw for a moment. Escaping is reactionary to responsibility. And if you find yourself constantly escaping, the reason is, is because you are not consistently withdrawing. Because withdrawing, you can write this down too, is preparatory for responsibility. Withdrawing is preparatory for responsibility. See, Jesus made it a priority to withdraw so that he could invest. Could it be that our inability to rest on purpose causes us to escape when we're needed most? Could it be that the fact that you don't rest on purpose you don't withdraw with intention. Is the reason you're not ready when you're needed? Because we don't know how to withdraw. What we know how to do is break down and burn out. Because there's sympathy that comes along with these. You tell somebody, oh, I'm just so burned out. The funny thing is most people who talk about being burned out ain't even ever been lit on fire for nothing, but that's another day, another story. But they talk about, I'm just burned out. I'm so exhausted from. Maybe it's because we believe that we will get empathy or sympathy when we talk like that. But when we come with the proactiveness to say, you know what, I'm going to withdraw. I can't, I can't go to your little event tonight because I'm going to, to prayer. Because prayer fuels me. And I need to be with my father in heaven. 
And I want to be with other people who are praying with me so that, so that something comes alive on the inside of me to fuel me for the season ahead. Listen, nobody is a robot. Nobody can just keep going and going and going and going and going and never refuel, never withdraw so they're empowered. You have to rest. What are you resting for? What are you resting for? Are you resting for anything or are you resting from something? Because if all of your rest is from something, friend, the truth is you're never withdrawing for anything. Don't withdraw from the work. Withdraw for the work. What you see about all of Jesus' withdrawals is every time he withdrew, it was for the work ahead or for the work he had just done. It wasn't because he spent himself so. We tell ourselves that rest is enjoyable, right? That's what's marketed to us. Baby, just go get you some rest, that's what's fun. Work all week so you can rest on the weekend. Can I tell you, rest isn't really all that enjoyable. Work is. Being on mission is. Fulfilling your purpose is enjoyable. The reason we don't enjoy the work is because we didn't withdraw for the work. The reason the work that God has for you, the work that is this season of life, exhausts you so is because you haven't withdrawn for the work that God has for you. You just do it maybe. But you do it with such a terrible attitude because you never allowed your emotions to be fueled for the work. You do it with a, with, a, with a tired body because you never withdrew so that you had the energy to be able to do the thing that God had for you to do. You have to withdraw because the work is what produces the reward. Everybody wants purpose. The way you get to your purpose is having enough fuel in the tank to follow it when it comes. You have to often withdraw because God wants you to be a difference maker in your school. He wants to use you in your family. He wants to use you in your neighborhood. But you have to make it a priority that you are ready when the moment comes. So you got to be like Jesus and often withdraw. So what does those, what do those moments look like? Well, they look like this, what Jesus did. I want to give you three foundational elements of withdrawing as we close. The first is this, go be alone. Go be alone. The thing is, you can actually be around people and still be alone. Our prayer nights, there are people all over the room. But you can still connect one-on-one -on -one with your father. You can be in a, in a service on Sunday and people worshiping all over the room, people responding to the sermon, but still be alone with your father. Go be alone where you're not distracted by anybody or anything else. Or maybe... You need to physically isolate yourself. Go be in your room by yourself. Go find you a quiet place. We see Jesus do this a lot. Sometimes Jesus withdrew himself alone, and it was literally just Jesus hanging out on the side of the mountain at night by himself. Sometimes Jesus withdrew himself alone, and he was with his disciples on a boat. Go be alone. 
and talk to God. See, the reason your rest doesn't work like you need it to is most of the time when you rest, you just pass out. I'm not talking about getting more naps. Ain't nothing wrong with a nap. I ain't talking about you getting a fruity drink and sitting in a hammock all afternoon. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about you go being alone and you talk to God. You need to get used to and comfortable telling God what's going on on the inside of you. Taking all your cares, all your burdens and placing them on him because he cares for you. You need to get used to unpacking your heart before your heavenly father. Because when you take your burdens and you give them to him, he gives you his strength because his burden is easy and his yoke is light. He gives you what you can handle. So go get alone and go talk to God. And do it often. Do it often. This summer we're going to have a worship night. It's going to be a Friday night where we are. The whole night will be a time of, of, of singing and celebrating God. We'll take time for prayer and communion, I'm sure. But the majority of that time will just be of worship to God. Can I tell you, that's something you probably ought to prioritize. But also every single week on Sundays, when we gather in person and online, we worship. But sometimes it can become very easy for us habitually just to be like, well, I'm going to get there for the sermon. And we forget the fact that like there's something that happens when we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords together. And you should gather and you should lean in and sing praises to him online and in person. Come on, worship your God and make it a habit in your life. Do you know that even the, the few moments that you come to service each Sunday is an opportunity for you to withdraw? What if this summer you said every seventh day, every Lord's day, I'm going to withdraw from my busyness. I'm going to withdraw from my routine and I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to hear his word and I'm going to connect with other people in the family. I'm going to do that over and over and over again. Baby, you will find strength hit you like you wouldn't imagine because you withdrew often. Because that withdrawing does what relaxing cannot. Relaxing can strengthen your body, which you need. It can clear your mind, which from time to time we need. But when you withdraw like Jesus withdrew, when you withdraw on purpose, not only can your body and your mind be strengthened, but soaking your spirit, soaking your soul, soaking your purpose, that he can fill you with strength from on high. What did Isaiah said? Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. He can fill you in a way that nothing else can. But you have to make this kind of rest a requirement for you. You have to often withdraw. And so even today as I pray for you, maybe this could just be a few seconds of you withdrawing. Would you tune out every other distraction right now and turn your attention to your heavenly father? Come on, even now as maybe you've had a really, really busy week, even now as you've had a lot going on in life, even now as you've been preoccupied and overwhelmed with everything that life would ask of you, would you turn your attention to your heavenly father? And just thank him in advance for his rest. Thank him in advance for strength that 
comes from on high. Father, we love you. Jesus, I thank you today that you modeled for us rest. That because you often withdrew, we must take our cue and realize we can't just keep going and going and going and going. But we have to pull back from the noise, pull back from the crowd, pull back from the demands to be with you. And I pray this summer would be a summer where we do that like never before. Whether we do that through these collective corporate opportunities like prayer nights and worship nights and leader nights and, and all the different things. Through Sunday services, through our series to come, through our times of worship. Or whether we do that because we begin to make it a priority to withdraw from an evening and spend time with you. And allow your word to speak to us like only it can. Because it is living and it is active. To allow your truth to become our truth. To allow your peace to become our peace. Your strength to become our strength. Father, I pray you, even right now, begin to encourage and strengthen and empower your children. For the honor of your great name. Fill us like only you can so that we can do everything you have called us to do. We love you. Jesus, we pray all this in your powerful name. Everybody said, amen.